On this episode of The Grizz, I talk about the Mighty Ducks. No, I'm not talking about the movie with the kids' hockey team. I'm talking about the Oregon Ducks. They were pretty mighty this past Saturday. They recently gave a beatdown to Coach Prime and the Colorado Buffs. So I'm going to talk about it. Then I talk about an angry mama in North Carolina who goes off at her local school board. She is on fire, and I love it. And lastly, I talk about the pro-gay conference that Pastor Andy Stanley is hosting at his North Point megachurch and how this is another reason why I have chosen to say goodbye to Andy Stanley's leadership. It's going to be a good one, my brothers. So here we go. to the Grizz Podcast. Our mission is to guide, encourage, and equip you on your journey with Christ. It's time for you to rise up, honor God, and live manly. Now here's our host, Jason George. Yo, yo. Thanks for taking time to tune in, listen to another episode of Grizz. Today is Wednesday, September 27th, 2023, and as usual, coming at you from the Grizz Cave here in the low country of South Carolina. Hope you guys are doing well. I am so grateful that you are here with me. First thing on the agenda here is had some guys asking me, you still on the prime time train now, Grizz, after that big beat down by the Oregon Ducks and my answer to the question am I still on the prime time train yes I'm still on the prime time train and I know the prime time train got rocked this past weekend as the Buffs faced the Oregon Ducks. It was painful to watch. The Ducks destroyed the Buffaloes on offense, defense, and special teams. The final score was 42-6, to but yeah, I'm still on the primetime train because losses are part of the process, people. Congrats to the Oregon Ducks. But I'm staying on the train, man, because I know Coach Prime is about far more than winning games. He's about developing boys into men, and he's also building a powerhouse program from the ground up. That's what he's been doing for many years, even before he came to Colorado, and that's why I'm still on board. Keep in mind a few things. It's his first season at Colorado. Dude, the team only won one game last year, and this year they've already proven themselves as one of the best college football teams in the nation. 
beating TCU, Nebraska, and Colorado State. Several school records have also been broken. And, and listen to me, just wait and see who shops, who shows up to play at Colorado next season and the season after because of what Coach Prime has sparked this season. So I'm excited for the future of the Colorado Buffaloes. I recently shared all of this on my Facebook page and a longtime friend of mine, he commented, I just can't get behind Dion. The bravado and arrogance is annoying to me. On top of that, some of the advice he gives the young men is not wise, in my opinion. I do worry about his health and hope he doesn't have to have his foot amputated. I responded to him by saying, hey, I don't agree with everything about the man and everything he says. I have yet to find a man that I do. And he said, man, that's fair. Another friend chimed in with this comment. He said, Jason knows that I questioned his very first post about Coach Primetime at the beginning of the season. I didn't like Neon Dion back in the day. I found myself pulling against him back then because of his bravado. I thought Bo Jackson was the real two-sport wonder. But, all caps, B-U-T, recently I've seen more and more interviews and read more and more about him and his message. I've got to say, I've changed my mind about the man. He is the voice delivering the message so many of his players need and many, many in our society need to hear today. I don't agree with him 100%. I challenged his characterization of some of the criticisms as black-white issues, but I've listened to and read his words in many interviews and found little to argue with and an awful lot to agree with and admire. Would I wear a cowboy hat on the sideline or all that gold jewelry? Nope. Would I hug those kids next, tell them I love them, kick them in the butt, and send them back out there? Yes. I did it, and I'd do it again. I still get calls and messages from 50-plus-year-old men that I coached when they were in high school. They still call me coach when I answer the phone. Heck, yesterday I sent a 76-year-old friend the message, Happy Birthday, Coach. It's a unique position to be in. It can be frustrating, heartbreaking, and darn hard work. Does Coach Prime need to be doing it? No. Does society need him to be doing it? Do we need others to be delivering the same message in an old school way? Yes and yes. Then another friend of mine chimed in. Actually, I want to say that that was a good word right there. What uh, my friend said, my older friend said right there. Then another friend chimed in with a hilarious meme that said at the top, Coach Prime, like this is what Coach Prime would say. We played the worst football that you'll see played for the state of Colorado. And then under it, it says the Denver Broncos said, oh, yeah, hold my beer. <laughs> That's so good. Because if you don't know, man, the Broncos got whooped by the Miami Dolphins this past weekend, 70 to 20. It could have been worse, but I believe the Miami coach showed mercy. I really do. I think it could have been worse, but I, I think he was like, yo, we need to hold it back. Anyway, I'm still on the primetime train, and uh, here's what primetime had to say in his post-game interview. I want to play that for you guys because uh, it's really good and says a lot about him. We don't get them yet? <coughs> 
first and foremost, uh, thank the Lord for allowing all this to transpire. It's a good old-fashioned buck kicking. It's no excuses, no nothing. Um, their coaches did a heck of a job preparing their team. Obviously, we didn't. That was good. I mean, that was a really good old-fashioned buck kicking. Uh, we went into the game wanting to dominate several, wanting to dominate several phases. Um, we lost offensively, defensively, as well as special teams. That fake punt kind of, kind of got them really rolling, and uh, they didn't stop. Um, ever since they secured that first down, well coached team. Uh, Bo Nix played his butt off defensively. They presented some things that I guess we just couldn't get around. We couldn't advance the ball, rushing or uh, throwing the ball as well. Seemed like they had our number. But hats off to their coaching staff, to their head coach. Great job, and they're truly prepared. Well, I thought that was a good response. You know, he had to eat some humble pie, and he gave props where props were due. I know that was really, really hard for him. He is one of the most competitive men on the planet. But, man, that was good. This week, the Buffaloes face undefeated. USC, who is ranked number eight in the nation. And the Buffaloes lost their ranking in the top 25. I figured that they would after that kind of a beatdown. If it would have been a really close game with the Ducks, um, I think they still would have been in the top 25. But man, they just got hammered. So we shall see if the Buffaloes can pull it together this week for USC. Uh, I would always rather be the underdog going into any game. You know what I'm saying? And my prediction, I'm calling it now, my prediction for the national championship this year, the last two teams standing, is going to be Oregon Ducks versus the Georgia Bulldogs. We shall see. Anyway, what else is going down lately? There's this viral video of a North Carolina mom that goes off on our local school board about their woke agenda with kids and uh how their local school district is failing the kids and she's on fire and it's crazy, but like she's using no notes, no teleprompter and every single word that's coming out is so together. Like you don't understand. Cause like I do this kind of thing with podcasting and public speaking, like there's no ands or us or pauses or losing a train of thought. It is. I don't know if she's got this memorized. It is awesome and all of it you can tell it's coming from the heart i want to play that for you guys because man i think she is spot on with what she's saying not just for her local school district but what she is saying is spot on for many of the school districts in america and you guys i've said it before on many episodes you want to know why evil prevails many times evil prevails because good men and women do nothing and say nothing. They remain silent and passive. You know who's not remaining silent and passive? Evil. Those with an anti-God, anti-Christ, anti-Bible, anti-moral woke agenda. They are loud. They are active. They are aggressive. They are persistent. Where are the truth speakers? Where is the resistance? You don't, you don't have to have a podcast like I do, but in your realm, your circle, 
you need to speak up. And man, I'm all for speak the truth in love. But some of you are using that excuse to not say anything, to never speak truth. And that's ungodly, dude. That's just ungodly. To him that knoweth the right thing to do or say and doeth it not, to him it is sin. So let's take a listen to this North Carolina mama uh, going off. Let me pull up that clip. I got it right here. Here we go. Come on. God bless this mother. Watch this. Hello, everyone. Um, I've been coming here for five years now, and I was going to talk to you about some practical things that I thought you could change about 3210, but I've changed my mind. Um, I've been really confused over the last five years as to why we spend 45 minutes to an hour of every public meeting talking about how great everyone is and how great everything is in the schools, and now I've figured it out. I figured it out because all these people came here to defend you all from hurtful words. This is obnoxious. Let me just say, there is one goal for the educational system. It should be to prepare children to enter careers to be productive members of society. It is not a counseling session. It is not a self-help area. It is not somewhere to find yourself. And we should not be led by the children, for goodness sake. The children are called dependents for a reason. They depend on us who have fully developed brains. You cannot feel your way through life. The issues that we are talking about, we are bringing you statistics. We are talking about scholastics. We are talking about funding. We we are talking about busing. We are talking about trying to figure out how to make our children be as successful as possible. And I am sure that that is your goal. And what we have been called tonight is what they're claiming that we're saying to children. We're having an adult conversation. There are not children in this room. We aren't going into the schools and calling them names. They call us Marxists and hateful and bigots and everything else under the sun. Well, let me tell you. Less than 5% of the entire population of North Carolina identifies as LGBTQ. You guys all claim you want democracy. Well, you know what democracy is? It's the majority plus one. It's 50 plus one. You know what? More than 50% of the people in this state claim that they believe in God, Almighty God, who made us male and female. God who made marriage between a man and a woman. God who said that we must protect our children. The fact that we can stand up here and we know, we can brag about all of the wonderful graduations, but we know, we know the statistics. 50% of children did not pass their end of grade test. What are we celebrating? We have, we have children coming up here telling us how horrible the mental health crisis is. Why? Most of us went to public school and all of our, all of our peers are not in mental health crises. We have to ask ourselves, what are we doing to our children? I'm going to say, we are discussing things with them that they are not emotionally, intellectually, and morally able to handle. That is what is causing the anxiety. That is what is causing the depression. That is what is causing the confusion. We need our children to be able to be children, to be able to be innocent, to be able to enjoy childhood and not know all of the drama and all of the difficulties in adult life. That is what we want. We want our children to be able to read and write and to think for themselves. And we demand that the children who fear God are protected in your schools. Dude. Good for her. As I said, evil often prevails when good men and women 
do nothing and say nothing. So what else is going down lately? Uh, oh yeah. Pastor Andy Stanley is hosting a pro gay conference at his North Point mega church. It is sad to see Andy Stanley embracing heresy. But I saw it coming years ago when he began writing and speaking on, quote unquote, unhitching the church from the Old Testament. You know, I have several Andy Stanley books here on my shelves in the Grizz Cave. I I bet I have at least seven of them, at least seven. But I won't be purchasing any more. I am saying goodbye to Andy Stanley's leadership. I'm saying goodbye to Andy Stanley as a church leader that I'd affiliate with, endorse, or listen to. Pastor, counselor, author, and keynote speaker Joe Dallas recently wrote an excellent article about all of this with Andy Stanley and how he has drifted into heresy. And I'm going to read that to you because I cannot put it any better than Joe Dallas does I'll be sure to put a link in the show notes for you pastors who want to get this article and pass it on to maybe some other pastor friends or ministry leaders. This is what Joe Dallas says. Plenty of folks are lamenting Andy Stanley's decision to host a pro-gay conference this weekend at his North Point megachurch. Good. We all should grieve when an influential pastor embraces heresy. But this was predictable before it was lamentable. What else could we expect from a pastor who rebuked a parishioner 11 years ago for being in a relationship with another man, not because it was homosexual, but because the other man was married? Or from one who recently preached a sermon extolling gay churchgoers, gushing the men and women I know who are gay, their faith and their confidence in God dwarfs mine. But Stanley's drift, obvious for over a decade on this and other key matters, you can see the links he provides in this article, indicates problems with us as well as him. One of those problems is our habit of either winking at a leader's serious error or reacting to it way too long after the fact. A heretical drift in leadership calls for 911. Who you calling a heretic? Stanley's not alone in that drift as a heretic. By hosting a pro-gay conference, He joins the ranks of other teachers who gained influence, then morphed from gifted to bad to false. Think Rob Bell, Jen Hatmaker, Joshua Harris. False doctrine and heresies are, after all, biblically guaranteed tragedies plaguing the faith from New Testament times to end times. We can expect more to follow. Although we can't predict which teacher will go south next until the drift is evident. Nor should we use the term heresy lightly, so let's keep some distinctions in mind. Doctrinal error to some degree is unavoidable. Even Calvin, who surely considered himself a doctrinal scholar, noted that no theologian is more than 80% right. But a false teacher perpetuate significant error as a pattern while remaining unopened to correction. 
It is a name it and claim it like preachers. They come to mind, as do men who keep insisting that they've got the inside scoop on the date that Christ will return. The heretic goes even further, teaching distortions of essential doctrines that W. Robert Godfrey describes as theological errors so serious that it would deprive one of salvation. Since homosexuality is listed as a sin disqualifying someone from inheriting the kingdom, see 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 10, any pastoral legitimization of that behavior can and will encourage homosexuals to embrace it at the expense of their salvation. That's not just error, that's heresy. As Father John Whitehead wrote, teaching that a sin is not really a sin is both sinful and heretical. Under those terms, Stanley, an admirable communicator who's made significant contributions to the church in the past, now promotes heresy. But his isn't the only problem. So back to our problem. We make stars out of gifted people who start their ministries on solid ground. But when they get numerically big and doctrinally sloppy, we too often drop the ball. Sometimes it's because our ears itch and these guys have just the right scratch. Paul saw that coming when he described the rejection of sound doctrine for false notions people will prefer. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3. What plenty of today's believers prefer to hear is truth without edge, a nicer, more quote-unquote affirming orthodoxy, denying the existence of hell, the sinfulness of man, or the clarity of God's intent for marriage and sexuality. Case in point, Stanley's gay affirming conference is already sold out. The itch is out there. The demand for a scratch must be high. And that's on us. Unlike the noble Bereans who wouldn't even take Paul's word for something unless it's squared with scripture, see Acts 17, 11, we tolerate glaring errors of teaching or behavior from our stars, continuing to swell the ranks of their megachurches and buy their goods long after we should have said as openly as Paul did to Peter, you're wrong. See Galatians chapter 2, verse 11 through 13. Small wonder Christian celebs feel immune to correction or consequence and bold to error. We may not be able to prevent their error, but we can sure do something about our own itch. We can also do something about our own reluctance to tackle this issue in our own churches. For decades, ministry to same-sex attracted people has been relegated to parachurch organizations or professional counselors. Both have their place, but it never should have been front and center. Stanley was right when he complained that Christians struggling with homosexual temptations feel alone in their churches. Many are afraid to admit their struggles, leaving them without accountability, counsel, or support. When they eventually give up abandoning their church for the embrace of the gay community, we lament what could have been prevented. That's why I view my own journey out of homosexuality with gratitude for the church that welcomed me. 
When I repented in 1984, I did find an invaluable ally and a terrific Christian therapist. But good as he was, the real healing came through relationships in my local congregation, where I found intimacy, mentoring, and exhortation. Three finds I rely on from my church to this day. Stanley's also right in claiming the answer for same-sex strugglers is affirmation from the church, but he's dead wrong in assuming that affirmation should be for a person's sexuality rather than the person. I was relentlessly affirmed by my congregation. They welcomed Joe Dallas, the man, the believer and brother who incidentally experienced homosexual temptations. Rather than affirm the temptations, they saw them as part of my old nature, something to be mortified, overcome, and freed from. As fellow pilgrims with battles of their own, they asked nothing more of me than they asked of themselves. Obedience, honesty, engagement, self-denial, and spiritual discipline. They were disciples. They expected me to be one too. Allowing people to be honest about their struggles without condoning a surrender to them creates an environment that keeps strugglers from seeking the false refuge of gay affirming religion where love and truth are evident. People don't go away hungry. Let me say that again. Where love and truth are evident, people don't go away hungry. My therapist was the supplement. My church served the meal. The supplement from a professional helped, but the main course from my congregation healed. It's way past time other churches go and do likewise. But how? Ignorance is no excuse. Lessening our tolerance for heretical teaching on sexuality and repenting of any desire for convenient truth over sound doctrine is a good start. But all of us, pastors and laity, also have to drop the I don't understand the issue excuse. Barna recently found that nearly 50% of pastors surveyed felt quote unquote limited in their ability to address social issues. LGBTQ prominent among them. But does quote unquote limited ability give any of us a pass? David Wilkerson, a middle aged Assemblies of God minister, must have felt limited when he ventured into New York to minister to drug addicts and gang members in the 1950s. Could he relate to their specific struggles? Doubtful. Could he relate to struggle in general? Definitely. So he did. Uh, So he did, and the thousands of lives transformed through teen challenge are the results. Chuck Smith, widely viewed as the father to the Jesus movement, had little common experience with the hippies he served at Calvary Chapel in the late 1960s. Surely he felt limited ability when these barefoot flower children crowded into his church, But there'd be no Calvary Chapel movement or Maranatha music if he'd let that stop him. Stanley says we need to affirm lesbians and gays. 
Others say we need new and improved approaches to them. But I would argue a different need. The need to make better use of the word we already have. Sure, numerous Christian books have been written on the subject. I've written some myself. So, of course, I see their value as supplements. But in Scripture, we find the ultimate foundational concepts, guidance, and insights necessary to serve parents with LGBT children, same-sex strugglers, young people with questions, and Christians with concerns. Through both testaments, we find our Creator's intentions for marriage and sexuality. We understand the struggle we all have living within those intentions, but we value body ministry. We accept the mandate to disciple with the full counsel of God. We recognize potential mentors, prayer partners, and accountability resources within our own ranks. We embrace the need to provide ready answers, and we celebrate the living and powerful word, no matter how antagonistic the surrounding culture may be to it all of which shape the solid rock any effective ministry is built on. We need to know the word better, live it more fully, and apply it more boldly. It is still sufficient. That's how we can answer the falsehoods of Stanley's conference with the truths he's neglecting. That's also how we can prevent tomorrow what we're lamenting today. That is so well said by Joe Dallas. It reminds me very much of what the Apostle Paul wrote to young pastor Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4, where he said, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but have itching ears. They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, Always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Unfortunately, Andy Stanley is tickling the ears of people who want spiritual teachings to suit their own sinful passions. Andy Stanley's teaching is not sound biblical teaching. He's not accurately handling the word of truth as God commands in 2 Timothy 2 verses 15 through 16. Let me read that passage. It's so relevant and important and needed today uh, for what pastors should be doing and youth pastors should be doing. It says, be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed accurately handling the word of truth, but avoid godless and empty chatter, for it will lead to further ungodliness. So many times I've shaken my head with quote-unquote churches 
What are you doing? What are you saying? It's not game time. It's not cool time. It's preach the word time. That's what it always should have been. That's what it needs to be now. That's what it needs to continue to be until Christ takes his church home. Preach the word. That means pastors and youth pastors need to be diligently studying the word of God. Listen to me. Let me take a few minutes um, just to talk about, again, where I stand on LGBTQ plus issues. I've spoken on this before here on the Grizz podcast, but I'm going to need to keep saying it. So here's where I'm coming from. There are all sorts of sexual sins mentioned in the Bible. And what does God say to us regarding all of them? Repent, repent. That means turn away from your sin and turn to him. And then 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 3 through 8, uh, specifically talks about sexual sins, sexual immorality. It tells us to abstain from every form of sexual immorality. Christians are to abstain from every form of sexual immorality, not just homosexuality. You see, when the Bible commands people to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and repent, God is not just talking to lesbians, gays, bisexuals, and transgenders. He's talking to all of us, even quote-unquote straight people. He's talking to the college-age guy having sex with every college-age girl that he can. That's fornication. He's talking to the husband cheating on his wife with his intern. That's adultery. He's talking to the youth pastor who watches porn and masturbates to it. He's talking to the church deacon getting off at the strip club or massage parlor when he's away on a business trip. He's talking to the priest that's hiring prostitutes. He's talking to the married couples who are swingers. There are all sorts of sexual sins. God says to all of us, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and repent of your sins. Whatever sin that is, turn away from your sinful lifestyles and follow God's ways. I don't hate LGBTQ plus people. I never have. I never will. On the contrary, I deeply care about them. I care about them enough to tell them what they don't want to hear, but what they need to hear before it's too late and they experience God's wrath and judgment. I don't want that for them. For me to remain silent on such issues with them is me basically telling all of them, go to hell, LGBTQ plus community. But listen, I choose to accept and love LGBTQ plus people for who they are, even if they don't want the message that I'm proclaiming to them. I will still accept them and love them, even if they disagree and they say, no, I don't want that. Just because I don't approve, celebrate, and support someone's sexual choices, that doesn't mean I don't accept and love them. 
I have befriended and helped several people who struggle with homosexuality and other sexual sins, and I'll continue to do that. I've done one-on-one coaching with Christian guys who struggle with same-sex attraction, and I'll continue to do that. I've done one-on-one coaching with guys who have gone further than just same-sex attraction. They've committed the act of homosexuality. Christian guys. Listen, can a Christian be tempted, struggle, and slip into various sexual sins? Yes. Why do you think the New Testament addresses it so much in letters that are to Christians? But for a true Christian, listen to me, the sexual sin is no longer the pattern of their life. As Christians, our sin is no longer a lifestyle we accept and celebrate, but it's an inner enemy that we fight. When we we slip and fall, it convicts us. We're convicted by the Holy Spirit. We don't want to continue that way. We want to be what God wants us to be. Our ministries online, um, our ministry, uh, Narrow Trail Ministries, our online, I can't even say this right. What is wrong with me? Let me grab a sip of my drink real quick. Take a break. I'm worked up. Our ministry, Narrow Trail Ministries. We have online recovery groups for Christian men who struggle with porn and other sexual sins. They're called climb teams. We are actively helping Christian men find freedom and transformation in Christ. Are these guys doing things perfectly? No, no, but they're in the fight. They're they're growing. They're climbing. They're fighting. They're working through things. They're addressing things. They're coming clean. They're learning how to be the Christian that God has called them to be. And all of us, I agree with what Joe Dallas is saying. We need to have churches that are doing what I'm doing with climb teams. Be okay with that. That people are in process. They're in process, not perfection. They're in process of becoming like Jesus. There are legit Christians that can struggle with same-sex attraction and homosexuality, just as they struggle with uh, lust, porn, just as they may struggle with the temptation to want to hire a prostitute, just as they may struggle with the temptation to want to have an affair with a lady that they know. There's all sorts of struggles that Christians have. And sometimes they slip and they commit those things that they're tempted with. But again, dude, we don't accept our sin as, hey, we're cool with it, man. It's just our lifestyle. No, no. We're turning away from our old sinful lifestyle And we're following a new way, a new way to be human. We're following Christ. Also, listen to me. I do not believe homosexuality or transgenderism. I don't believe they're the worst sins. I don't. I don't. And I know what some of you are thinking. You're like, well, man, all sins are equal. No, they're not. That's not what the Bible says. I get that they're sin, just sin. We're all sinners. But there are some sins that have a, Jesus says, a uh, there will be a worse condemnation for them. 
you think about those. He said that uh, mess with little children. He said, man, it'd be better if a millstone were hung around their neck and they were just thrown into the sea. And then look at the condemnation that he gave to the religious leaders, the hypocritical religious leaders that were steering people away from the Messiah. Dude, he says many times, woe to you. Your punishment will be more severe. So I don't believe homosexuality and transgenderism, LGBTQ plus are the worst sins. I don't believe that. Like I said, there are all sorts of sexual sins that God condemns. Fornication, adultery, polygamy, pornography, pedophilia, incest, etc. And FYI, again, listen, I've said this so many times on the podcast. I'm going to keep saying it. God is not anti-sex. God is not anti-sexual pleasure. I don't know who told you that. It's not in the Bible. God is not anti-sex, nor is he anti-sexual pleasure. God invented sex and he invented the orgasm. Not us. We didn't come up with that. However, God's word is clear that his design for sex and sexual pleasure is to be within the covenant of marriage between one man and one woman, one biological man and one biological woman, husband and wife. That is his design for sex and sexual pleasure. That's what it's always been. Has man gone outside of that? Has God's people gone outside of that? Yes. One biological man, one biological woman, husband and wife. That's it. And that's all. God knows what's best for humanity. And that's what's best. Have most of us gone outside of that plan in our lifetime at some point? Yes. We have all sinned and fallen short of God's standard. Some of us have even participated in homosexuality. I have. Some of you didn't know that, did you? Some of you that have been listening for a couple of years, you've heard me say this before. In my past, I have participated in homosexuality. You say, are you kidding? Well, listen, you see, you may have never physically been with another man in a physical sexual way, but let me ask you, have you ever watched any type of lesbian porn and gotten off to it? You know, what you would consider two hot women and they're going at it. Have you ever watched that and gotten off to it? If you have, then you've participated in homosexuality. So you're guilty of participating in homosexuality. Like if you've done that, I'm guilty too. That's what I mean. In the past, I've watched and I've gotten off to lesbian porn. So what does that mean? It means I've participated in homosexuality by doing that. Who am I to look down my nose at someone who struggles with homosexuality? Many of you listening, you've done the same thing. Therefore, we must be careful not to think that we are better than those who are struggling with homosexuality. We are not better than them. I'm just keeping it real, guys. 
You ain't as holy as you think you are, nor am I. You need to call to mind and remember where you've come from, what you've done, what God has saved you from, what he has forgiven you for. I'm not here to condemn anyone. That is never the point of the Grizz podcast, to judge or condemn. I'm here to try and lead everyone to the one who can save and transform them. That's what I've been doing literally for the last 30 some years. All the podcast is only about five or six years old, something like that. But this is what I've been doing all throughout college and after I graduated college. I'm not here to condemn, judge, ridicule anyone, any group. I'm here to try and lead everyone to the one who can save and transform them. And I believe in the inerrancy of Scripture. And I believe we take the Word of God and we must do what the Word of God says. We can't water it down. We can't twist it. Even if we don't like it, even if it's not popular, if it's not politically correct, if it's like, oh, if you say it, it's going to get you canceled, then cancel me, man, if you can. As followers of Christ, we're not called to judge the world. We're called to believe, repent, and grow in Christ-likeness, sanctification. And we're also called to pray for and be a light to lost and hurting people. And sometimes being a light means standing up and speaking the truth in love. It means saying the culturally unpopular and politically incorrect thing, even if there's backlash, even if we get canceled. We don't twist scripture to make it condone what God condemns. And that is exactly what Andy Stanley is doing. And that is why I am choosing to say goodbye to Andy Stanley's spiritual leadership. And as my friend Chad Wright over at the 307 podcast says all the time, enough said on that. Hey guys, stay tuned for a few closing items of Grizz Biz. Hey guys, if you're new to the podcast, please take a moment, leave us a quick rating and review wherever you listen. We're on Spotify, we're on SoundCloud, we're on Apple, we're on Audible, wherever you listen, please. It'll take you like a couple seconds, leave a quick rating and review. That really helps us get more exposure so more people, more guys around the world, brothers from other mothers can find the podcast. Also, if this episode has helped you, then copy the link. Please share it with a friend or a men's group, or you could share it on social media. Also, if you're a regular listener to the Grizz podcast, then please consider becoming more than just a listener. Become a monthly supporter for as little as $10 or $20 per month. 
You can go to our give page on our website. You can set that up, narrowtrail.com, narrowtrail.com. It's all one word. Click on the give page, or if you want, you can take your phone right now and you can simply text the word give, G-I-V-E, give. Text the word give to 301-888-6860, 301-888-6860. I promise it's safe, it's secure, it's easy. You can cancel it at any time. But our ministry, we fully rely on the support of God's people through prayer and financial. Also, guys, if you haven't already, get Covenant Eyes monitoring software installed on all of your devices and on your kids' and teens' devices. Be proactive. Prevention, my brothers. Go to CovenantEyes.com, CovenantEyes.com, sign up, and at checkout, use the promo code GRIZZIN, G-R-I-Z-Z-I-N, GRIZZIN. You'll get your first month completely free. Also, I haven't mentioned it in a while, but we do have a closed Facebook group called the Grizz Tribe. It's for you, brothers from other mothers around the world, like-minded brothers, you know what I'm saying, that are trying to follow Jesus, trying to step up and man up. We all know we got issues, and by the grace of God, by His Word, by His Spirit, by the help of our brothers in Christ, we're addressing those issues, man. We're working on it. If you are interested in some one-on-one coaching or being part of one of our online climb teams, go to our website to learn more. There are short online applications that you can fill out, narrowtrail.com, narrowtrail.com for one-on-one coaching or to sign up to be part of one of our climb teams. We have some open spots available for our Thursday evening climb team, and we are also soon to launch a Wednesday morning climb team. Thanks for listening, guys. I'll be back at you soon with another epic episode of Grizz. Until then, stay grounded and true to the word of God, my brothers. Honor God. Live manly.